This episode is brought to you by Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Get into your best shape with their comprehensive programs. So sign up now to either their basic package or warrior package with the code PSPKB, all caps, for 15% off. Stay fit this winter with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host today, Justin Williams. And you guys know my usual partner in crime, the guy, the mic, the lit, sorry. You know what? We're going to keep that intro just because it's fucking something. So, you know, Josh, hey, 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 we all fumble, but it's how you get up and it's how you recover. Okay. So anyways, we're going to keep going because people like when I mess up because Lord knows I can't say names to save my life. But you know I'm partnered with the man behind the mic, the guy, the man, the myth, the legend, who makes me sound good, makes himself sound good, and makes a cup of coffee that tastes just right. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Colbert Durand. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Well, after that fumble, I feel like I'm doing uh, doing horribly. But you know what? We're going to keep going. Our guests, she knows all about working out. She knows how to keep going. She used to be a professional snowboarder, so she's probably taking a tumble or two. I don't know. I've seen her Instagram page. She looks flawless whenever she does any sort of technique. So maybe not. Maybe the closest thing to falling she has is Tumblr. Throwback to when that was an actual website to attend. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Natalie Allport. Natalie, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's funny that you uh, you talk about tumbling. My boyfriend, it drives him crazy because he just learned how to snowboard. I switched him over from skiing and I never fall and it drives him crazy. But the reason I never fall is because I'm, I'm not riding nearly at the level that I used to. Um, I used to obviously, you know, compete in slope style and I was pushing myself, but I took so many tumbles and so many injuries um, that now I can't really afford to, uh, to fall when I'm just riding around with my friends. There we go. See, Kobe, if it's good enough for Natalie, it's good enough for me. Hey, man, I used to snowboard like crazy, so... I know what she's talking about. Unfortunately, slope style didn't exist when I snowboarded, and that would have been what I would have done, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, 2011 when it got announced as an Olympic event, and I know it was like around the X Games and stuff like that before, but it really kind of got the, uh, I guess, surge of attention around that time. Oh, yeah. Big time. I mean, I, like you, I started off skateboarding. I much preferred street than ramp. I was never really in the half pipe that much. And when snowboarding became more of a competitive thing, it began really with the, I guess, downhill events and half pipe and slope style wasn't even a consideration. Yeah. What's slope style? It's like street skating on a, <laughs> on a uh, ski hill. Yeah, it's like all the jumps and, and all the rails. And so it's judged. So you do similar tricks in the air kind of like the half pipe but you're going down a run um and usually there's like probably at least three rail features and like three jump features 
and uh, you have to do a whole variety of different tricks and then you're judged at the end. But Halfpipe was definitely kind of the start of freestyle snowboarding. Unfortunately, up here in Canada, Halfpipe isn't that popular, mostly because it's just so expensive to build. Like it costs hills millions to get the right groomers and build That's a proper right. Halfpipe. It just it's too expensive to maintain, really. Damn, we need to allocate funding to that because that just sounds awesome. So how did you start off with snowboarding? Just like just skateboarding and then kind of became winter and you're like, I want to keep doing this. Kind of, somewhat. I, I was born in Vancouver, so like where I live or where I grew up in the Ottawa area, there's not very many big mountains, but I, I did grow up in Vancouver until I was like five. And I was on skis at like two years old. So my dad would love skiing and he got me into that at a young age. And then when we moved over, uh, I still skied a little bit, but I was just gung-ho into hockey so hockey was like that was my dream I wanted to be on the national hockey team like that was everything and then uh, I got into skateboarding a little bit and then all the cool kids at my school snowboarded (laughs) so one day I was like skiing I had rental skis with my family and halfway through the day I just switched for a snowboard and then it didn't come naturally most sports kind of came a little bit quicker and this one just bugged me and for some reason it just bugged me the right amount that I was like I need to get good at this because like all the cool kids are doing it and so then I just kind of got obsessed with getting better at it and eventually quit hockey just to pursue snowboarding. That was like me with math, except my insecurity was failing, not so much not being good at a sport. When you say all the cool kids are doing it, is this by the time you were in Ottawa? Yeah, like we have little hills, like just small ones locally, but like all the, the key, you know, the skateboard kids who are in front of the school and all that stuff, all the guys in my class were uh, were snowboarding. And I always like, I don't know why, but I like to do like whatever the guys were doing. Like I remember it was like grade three and all the guys in my class told me they were playing baseball for the spring. And I said, oh, I'm going to do that. They're like, no, no girls can play. And I'm like, oh, really? So I got my dad a call, like <laughs> guy in charge of the league. And he ended up like last minute being able to get me on a team and then and I ended up pitching in my first game and becoming a pitcher. And I actually played up to a decently high level of baseball until I was like 13. And then snowboarding was my life after that. Oh, that's awesome. Damn. So you're just ultra competitive. I think that's probably it. Yeah. And so the same boys were like snowboarding. And I was like, well, I got a snowboard then. <laughs> it's like, obviously, you've played a lot of different sports. You've taken quite well to any of the sports you dedicated yourself to. But I really want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now, which is CrossFit. And I still think, although it's a very popular thing, very few people know about it. What is competitive CrossFit? Yeah. So it's interesting because competitive CrossFit is a little bit different than what you might just see when you go into a CrossFit gym. At the start, I think of competitive CrossFit, it was very similar. Like if basically you're like the strongest, fastest, fittest person in the gym doing the normal classes, you were competing. But now it's almost like it's taken its realm as a legitimate professional sport where people are training just the same as you would with other sports, where there's a little bit of an off season, your periodization of your training, you have to do proper Olympic weightlifting. So you might have an Olympic weightlifting coach, you have to work on your endurance. So you might, you know, a lot of some of the top athletes, they'll hit up a triathlon coach to improve their running and their swimming and their biking. There's just so many different gymnastics. I had a gymnastics coach for a while just trying to improve my gymnastics movements. There's basically all these things. But if you walked into a, a class, it's basically high-intensity training that involves functional movements, so like compound movements like squats and deadlifts and lifting things. Um, the goal is just to kind of generally prepare you to be fit and strong and ready for everyday life. And then there's it does incorporate some harder skills like Olympic weightlifting, which are, it's fun to learn and gives people some skill work, and then some more complicated gymnastics 
gymnastics movements. And then they created a sport out of it. There's the CrossFit Games, which is kind of like the Olympics of CrossFit. And it's it's really hard to get into and they have kind of like a whole qualifier competitions to get there. And then there's some other big competitions popping up all around the world as well, offering some decent prize money to athletes. Okay. Now, does it play out like a gymnastics event where you kind of go from like event to event to event, different skills, or is it more like a obstacle course where you're doing one long series of things? Uh, kind of a mix of both. So the one thing about CrossFit is it's always unknown and variable. So you don't really know what you're training for. That's always kind of the whole theme of CrossFit competitions. So you need to be good at everything. You can't just be a specialist at strength. You also have to be enduring. Um, you also have to be fast. You have to practice your swimming. You don't know if that could come up. Uh, I think at the CrossFit Games, they had kayaking one year. They had biking. They had like a triathlon event. They had like a trail run. They're always throwing new things in. There was a competition in Dubai where they just last month and they actually had the athletes run up a ski hill an indoor ski hill with a weight vest so they're always throwing new things that you can't imagine and essentially most competitions are three days i think the crossfit games is like four or five but you have maybe three or four workouts in a day and the workouts will be totally they could be totally different you might have a specialist workout where it's just like, let's say a a max snatch or a max clean and jerk. You could have one of those specialist workouts, but most of the workouts are a mix of everything. So it might be like, um, let's say 20 minutes, as many rounds as you can do of 20 snatches, 20 calories on the assault bike, then you run 400 meters, and then you have to climb a rope legless. Like it's a mix of everything into all these different workouts that leave you dying, basically. So really, it's just a test of your overall fitness and preparedness. It's completely random. Yeah. So they actually, they have the copyright to whoever wins the CrossFit Games is titled the the fittest athlete on earth. They test everything from your skill work to your metabolic conditioning, to your endurance, to your speed, to your strength. But it's not like a combine, like you would go if you were doing a football combine and it's like you already know what you're doing. So you can become a specialist at the bench press or a specialist at the squat. You're going to get tested in completely new ways and and different workout patterns. And you have to be able to adapt because the idea is if you are one of the fittest people on earth, you should be able to adapt to whatever can be thrown at you in the fitness realm. That's that's awesome. That that's beyond awesome. That's scary. That that's like I feel like that would serve very very well back in the old days of hunting and gathering. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like am I going to take down a bear for my family or am I going to chase a gazelle? I don't know, but give me that 5 pounds vest. <laughs> that- it's funny because it, there's like, I mean, when CrossFit first started, there was a big thing about like the paleo diet and, and all that like functional training. And that was very much part of the culture of CrossFit. So I do believe that that's kind of how it started of like going back to the roots. And there are some like CrossFit style gyms where people just they train with like logs and like very natural movements and like running up, you know, like with a big rock or something. There's even strongman events that get kind of incorporated into CrossFit. So it is kind of a little bit like that, just being ready for everything. I guess if there's uh, something happens in apocalypse, like hopefully it's the CrossFitters, I think that that would survive. I, I feel like it's the CrossFitters and then the CrossFitters would save the engineers. I feel like that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> because the engineers would need somebody to hold something up as we re-nail it is basically what would happen. 
<laughs> right, exactly. And then, of course, we need some scientists and doctors and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you guys essentially, if you ever played like Left for Dead or Back for Blood, that would just be you guys going around saving us. And then uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's pretty much. You guys be doing the runs, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I think the cool the cool idea is that it's it's a sport made for non specialists. So it's really not like okay, sure you can run a marathon, but can you still squat 500 pounds? It's supposed to find like the push the limits of each and really find the best athletes who can adapt to each. So, you know, we will test swimming and different things, but is by no means is anyone at Olympic swim level, but they're decent enough to get by and have a good amount of proficiency while still be able uh, to do like the strength events and the gymnastics and all those types of things. So, which is, it's very different than most sports where you really do have to be a pure specialist at one thing. So jack of all trades, no master of one kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. And especially for people who maybe they don't have a really high fast twitch muscle fiber, and that would suit them for purely Olympic weightlifting or purely 100 meter sprint. And then you see someone with, you know, slow twitch muscle fibers, and they were built to do marathons and triathlons. It's kind of, you know, a, a sport for those athletes who fall right in the middle. Okay. Yeah. And competitive CrossFit, are they grouped by weight and gender? Uh, by gender only. So that's the, also the unique part because like if you saw Olympic weightlifting, uh, obviously it's by weight class. Yeah. But that's the thing about CrossFit is it really because if you were a bigger athlete, probably you're going to be better at the strength events, but you need to also be good at the endurance events and vice versa. You know, we have a lot of uh, smaller athletes who are very good at the gymnastics because the range of motion is less. They have shorter arms, but then they might not be as strong on like the machines, like the skier or the rower or like the assault bike where having a little bit more mass, a little bit more power helps. So because there's that mix of so many different domains, it kind of finds somebody right in the middle. And so you might have somebody like I, I would consider myself probably like a larger athlete because a lot of the athletes are a little bit shorter, a little bit more gymnastics background. I think the average height for guys is like maybe like five, seven or something. So it's like, it's kind of shorter. There's okay. a few guys that are over six feet and they, you know, they call themselves like the tall guys doing fitness because it is hard for them with some of the gymnastics movements, having that large of a range of motion, just mm -hmm. going to obviously take more time for them to squat or to do a handstand push up or something like that. But, you know, that's that's the cool part of having all these different events because they might crush one event that's something different and then kind of do a little bit worse in another event. But what matters at the end of the weekend is your average placing. Okay. No, that's really cool, actually. I, I love events that don't really put weight or size as a criteria as to who you're competing against. I've always loved that because it kind of opens it up to anyone to get involved. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And people from different backgrounds. There's like a lot of people who came from a gymnastics background, like I mentioned, but then there's other people who came from Olympic lifting, or they came from endurance or just from different sports. Maybe they came from actually running collegiate track. And so they have their events that they're already strong at, and they have to work on all the other things and everyone's in a different situation. Is there someone that you sort of model yourself after or someone that you look up to? Uh, I mean, I try like not to compare myself to anyone else and kind of stay in my own lane, especially when it comes to my like my training and sports, but anyone who's just, you know, putting themselves out there and going all in and giving their full effort and um, having fun doing it, I definitely look up to I think the work ethic of any of the athletes at the top is just uh, admirable. Okay, and is there one main governing body that covers this? Uh, yeah, so like the, the corporation CrossFit runs the whole CrossFit game season. So they have like the open, which is open to anybody in the world. Um, I think 
maybe half a million people do that. And then from there, they take like the very, very top and they do like this other on uh, it changes every year, which is the hard part. There's been a lot of inconsistency lately as um, there's just been people moving around in the corporation and okay. they've been trying to reconfigure the sport for further growth because uh, it's still young. It's only been like, I don't know, 12 years or something that they've had the CrossFit games. So it's still a young sport, still, still learning the best path. But essentially then they have like another qualifier and then they have a few different events in the world based on your kind of area. So like being in Canada, probably you would compete locally. There was one year where you could compete anywhere. And I actually, I competed in the UK and in China that season. But the way it is now, you probably would compete within North America. If you're in North America, if you're in China, you'd compete in Asia. If you're in the UK, you compete in Europe, almost like a regional type of competition for your area. Um, And there's a few of those. And then basically like the top, I think three or five from those competitions are the people who end up going to the CrossFit Games. Is there anyone that's considered dominant? Oh, yes. So just last season, uh, Matt Fraser retired after winning five times in a row. So he was dominant and he came from, he was on Team USA weightlifting before he started CrossFit. So I think he, his, his main thing was he really needed to work just on his engine. So like a lot of rowing and running and things like that. And he became extremely dominant and then he retired. And then on the women's side, it's been I think it's been five years in a row for her as well now, uh, Tia Claire Toomey. And her background was running, but not at a hugely competitive level. Then she learned CrossFit and learned weightlifting through CrossFit. And actually, just through her CrossFit, ended up making the Olympics for Olympic weightlifting for Team Australia. Wow. And she's she's yeah. right now, she's traveling with Team Australia bobsled, trying to qualify for the next Olympics while she's been winning the CrossFit Games every single year. So she's dominant on the women's side. Be sure to join the Pro Sports Podcasters Facebook group where you will be able to interact with the hosts and talk to other sports fans. Now back to the show. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but weightlifting is being phased out of the Olympics. Do you know about that? Yeah, so it's kind of being phased. It's a little bit of political drama. So there's a lot of... um yeah, there's a lot of back and forth about that one. So it's not it's actually it's it's had a big resurgence of popularity because of CrossFit. So it, weightlifting has never been more popular than it is now, I would say, especially in North America. But the issue is the countries like Russia and there's different countries that are having huge doping scandals. There's yeah. a lot of doping scandals that are completely enthralled in the federations themselves. And so I think that's the Olympics way of saying, if you guys don't clean this up, like in a hurry, we're going to have to basically not have your sport on the roster. So they made that announcement, but I, I've seen a few of the athletes who are Olympians uh, in the sport who are kind of like sharing a little bit behind the scenes of what's going on. And it's like, it's not saying that for sure it's out. It can still be re-added or, or put there, but it's really, it comes down to the federations cleaning things up, which is, it's hard situation for everybody, especially the people in North America who they feel like they're doing things the right way. And then there's people in uh, other places that have crazy doping scandals, which is frustrating. Yeah, that's the the main impetus behind it. I was wondering if there's any issue with doping scandals when it comes to CrossFit. Yes. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, like I feel personally that the testing needs to improve because when I was snowboarding, I was tested all the time by WADA, which is like the World Anti-Doping Association. Yeah. And I was like, I was a snowboarder, like what possible help could doping (laughs) do for me? And I was getting tested all the time. I had to have whereabouts, like I had to say where I'm going to be every day so that if they came, like I was there. And if I, if I wasn't there when they came after three times, you were banned from your sport as if you were doping, if you weren't where you said you would be. 
So that's so crazy. Like your whole life had to be like sent to WADA. And then for CrossFit, they've started kind of doing more of that, but it's still, it's like a third party. So CrossFit can release what they want about the testing. And at the start, actually, I think people were like, they'll be like, oh, hey, we're going to come test you tomorrow versus like WADA is they just show up even if it's the middle of the night and you're sleeping and you you can't be out of their sight. So I think things are improving, but I think it's similar to like the UFC where the UFC for a long time were using a third party and they kind of controlled what was being released to the news and stuff. Yes. And then the UFC decided to or no, the UFC was doing it themselves and they hired like a third party. So then it was separate. Um, And all of a sudden all these people (laughs) were caught doping. I have a... It's kind of the same. So there's been a few doping scandals every year. There's a few different athletes. It's usually not the very top athletes. There has been one podium athlete and he actually, it's a big thing this season because he just finished his four-year sanction. So he's come back to competition uh, over this past year. I think in December, it was his first competition back, which has obviously, you know, stirred some people one way or the other with the opinions on that. So it's, yeah, it's, especially because of the volume of training you need in the sport and how much like uh, the volume you need to weight lift and then run and then do everything. It's very hard to recover from. So there are a lot of like doping scandals in that sense, because some people, yeah, I guess there's always just going to be cheats in sport and it's very unfortunate. And are they chasing the actual competition money or are they chasing sponsor money? Both. Yeah, like there's decent money at the CrossFit Games. I forget how much you win if you if you win the whole thing. Maybe it's like 300 something thousand. Okay. Yeah, it's probably like 300 grand, I think, if you win the CrossFit Games. It's game. significant. Yeah. Significant enough, but that's like one competition. And that's it's kind of like the only competition. So really, it's like the people at the very, very top that, you know, make enough. And then the other people, yeah, it's sponsorships. And so there was one notable athlete. I think he came second or third one year, four years ago, and he got caught doping. And so I think his brother was doping too. And it was a, it was a whole thing. And that was kind of the, the most major athlete because usually it's, it's the lower level athletes or you see actually we i've seen a lot of doping scandals with more of the masters athletes so they have actually masters divisions so if you're they have a uh 40 to 45 um 45 i think to 49 they kind of and they actually have even a 60 plus division okay and i've seen a there's been a, quite a few scandals at the those levels i could assume you know trying to train crossfit full-time when you're like 50 they're just your recoverability would be very difficult <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. So what is your diet like then if you're constantly training? I get there's a bit of an off season, but I doubt you have like 16 pizzas and stay at home and do nothing <laughs> on those your off season. Well, we did get a pizza, a pizza, uh, what's it called? A, a pizza stone last year, actually for my birthday. My boyfriend got me one. So we, I, we make pizza like once a week, but yeah, it's for me right now. I'm not strictly tracking. I spent so many years of my life, like strictly tracking. And then because I've been like rehabbing a shoulder injury, I just kind of wanted a mental break from, from that. So I've been, I, I have like enough knowledge just to like eyeball and be like, okay, I know I've gotten enough protein today or I've gotten, you know, enough carbs or, oh, I, I did this extra set. So I need to add like some more rice or whatever it is. But yeah, I try to eat like, you know, fairly as many whole foods as I can. Um, I, I'm really like, I've always been kind of a picky eater, especially around vegetables, but I know it's really important to get like variety and greens. So like I, I have my greens powder every single morning and try to do some smoothies to get more of that, uh, the greens in. Um, and then I monitor mostly like my protein and my carbs just to make sure I'm eating enough. So if I'm training more, especially doing endurance stuff, I'm like, okay, I need to add, you know, more carbs in. Um, and then just making sure I get usually like around like one gram of protein per pound of, of body weight is my goal each day. 
Okay, so I see you have a whoops band on your on your wrist. Do you use that to help kind of track everything? Like what or what other type of technology do you use? Yeah, so I've used the whoop for like I think four or four years now. I was like one of the founding members actually. There so I've yeah, I've had it on for as long as I can remember. I actually the only thing is I take it off during competition. I'm like, I don't need to know how poorly recovered I am by day three. <laughs> it's not gonna help me in <laughs> in any sense. So I usually take it off in competition, although I know in the past uh, year they actually whoop partnered with CrossFit and they had the athletes wearing them so people could see like on the TV and stuff um, what people's heart rates were. But yeah, I, I definitely, I, I use it more and especially when I was in competition season, less to like dictate, okay, like my, I'm not that well, well recovered today. So I need to like take a day off, but more to just like notice long-term trends. So I could be like, I notice by like week four of each of my training cycles, I'm always at this level of recoverability, or I notice every time I do a certain type of workout or movement. But then I think the biggest thing for me is they have a journal feature. So you can track every day and put in like, did you have a dog in your room while sleeping? Did you meditate? How long <laughs> did you meditate today? Um, did you eat? Like, or did you hydrate properly? Did you do breath work? Did you get a massage? So you can track all these things. And then at the end of the month, you'll get like a monthly assessment and it'll show you by percentage points how much that actually helped or hindered your recovery. So uh-huh. that I find very valuable because it, it makes me have a little bit more motivation to stick to the things that do help my recovery. So if I notice, oh, meditation always does help my recovery, then it's just that extra feedback to be like, I'm not going to skip my meditation because I know it makes a difference. So that dog part seemed very specific. Do you, uh, do you kick your dog out at night? Like, I don't. I am like, yeah. And actually, it told me, it was so funny. It told me that sleeping with a dog in my room hinders my recovery. I'm like, when have I ever slept without the dog in the room? So that's not going to change. <laughs> Sacrifices are, are being made here. Like there's balance. It's fun. I think it's because the only days that I'm not sleeping with my dog uh, is probably if I go to my cottage or something and I, and I always sleep like extra good there. Like I'll sleep in like until until super late and get like 12 hours of sleep. So I think that's the only reason why it says that sleeping without my dog improves my recovery is just because of that. So you you do need to like be aware of the context when you get some of those results because (laughs) sometimes you're like, okay, well, that doesn't mean anything to me because of so-and-so or whatever. For some reason, I don't, I don't, not even some reason, I know the reason. So I'm a stand-up comedian and I kind of want to use that little bit of material on the whoop thing as like a a corny breakup thing. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I sleep poorly when my partner is is around me. Time to break up kind of deal. I feel like that'd be uh, so, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, but that that is actually, um, that's a big thing for me. I sleep better like alone. Oh. <laughs> and I tell him, <laughs> and I'm sorry to my boyfriend, but I tell him that I joke about it all the time. I'm like, look, it says my recovery is better. Like when I go home for a day, or like I go to my parents' house, or I go, I go to the cottage for a day. But like we've been living together for the a year now, and so like that's again just like the dog in the bed. That's just like how life is. So, so that's how it goes. But it is funny that it says that. <laughs> it's like, honey, I am better off without you. Please leave. <laughs> <laughs> You're hindering my CrossFit performance. <laughs> oh, man. So can you actually explain to me, and I never understood, do you use a sauna versus a wet sauna? And what is the difference? Because I hear like many different people. And I was talking to someone on my podcast about this recently, and I was asking them, they said like, like the heat exposure, it's it's good for you. And if you can only get an infrared sauna, then do that. It's still really beneficial. But getting like a full finished sauna or something 
because of the discomfort that you experience with that heat and how it can like really elevate your, your, I think your blood pressure and your heart rate. Um, and you might even like struggle with breathing. There are some bigger improvements to doing that if you can have that full sauna. Cool. Yeah, you you mentioned something during the last conversation there, Natalie. Both Justin and I are content creators. We're also both professional actors and we have our other avenues, but you also have the All In podcast, correct? Yes, yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it, it kind of just started off. Uh, it actually started in 2017, which most people don't know. They kind of know it since really the pandemic. But I started it, you know, like back when podcasts were kind of a little bit earlier and just want to have conversations, like deeper conversations than I was just having, you know, small talk with, with different people. And I wanted to have athletes that I had met through my snowboarding in the past and different amazing coaches that I was able to have in my life that I was like, some of these things that we talk about could be really beneficial for other people. And I want to share this. So I started doing that, started sharing, you know, other people's stories and had people, coaches that I knew and different people on. Life got busy as it does. And unfortunately, that was like the one thing that kind of had a drop as things got busy with training and business and, and other things. And then the pandemic happened. And I was like, there's so much negativity being put out. And I want to bring back these positive conversations, especially talking about mindset and mental health and, you know, ways we can stay kind of motivated and disciplined and resilient and things like that. And so decided to kind of bring them back through Instagram live and that started taking off. And so for the whole year of 2020, I did a weekly Instagram live with some amazing athletes from Olympians to professional sports, mental coaches, like the mental coach for the Tampa Bay Rays and um, different people like that and having these conversations and they were really well received. And so then I was like, let's, let's revive the podcast with this. So those all became podcast episodes. And then I started switching up just like how you, you guys record here, started recording like traditional podcasts virtually uh, mm-hmm. again, essentially, rather than through the Instagram lives as people, you know, kind of got back out into their daily lives and weren't online at every day of the week, 24 seven middle of the day, like they were at the very early days of the pandemic. Oh, cool. And you mentioned uh, talking a bit about mental health. Have you dealt with mental health issues in the past? Yeah, it was mental health that really kind of caused me to step away from my snowboard career. And it was something I really dealt with then afterwards. Uh, that la- that year after I stepped away from snowboarding was one of like the darkest years of my life. And it was uh, really, yeah, mental health was a really big part of my life. And it was learning how do I prioritize my mental health as I return to sport and then eventually started, you know, sp- feeling more comfortable speaking about my experience, especially as I had started healing from it. It's I think it's really hard when you're in the middle of like depression, in the middle of anxiety to share about it. But I think it's important to, to let people know that they're not alone. And so I started getting more comfortable talking about it and then more comfortable talking about how I do prioritize my mental health while pursuing high performance, which I think is important because people think you need to sacrifice all those types of things to try to get to the top level or achieve your goals, which I think is could be further for the from the truth, I think it's, it's where our culture is moving over to realizing that mental health is health, period, and we can't be our best without also being at our best mentally. Oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, but before we let you go, where can our fan base find you? Like, What socials you got? Yeah, I'm I'm all around social. Most of the platforms I'm on there. I'm not super active on Twitter, unfortunately, but you could totally connect there if you want to. But probably Instagram is uh, where I'm most active, and that's at Natalie Allport. All right, I'll quickly go ahead and give you a follow. And that's Allport, A-double-L-P-O-R-T. Yes, exactly, yeah. 
Oh, that was awesome. That was great, Natalie. I mean, I think we could even keep talking, really. There's a lot that you've been involved in, but that was cool. Definitely stay in touch with us. I'd like to follow up with you, especially when you start competing in CrossFit again. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, hopefully it. Uh, I get back to it. I think this, the season starts in like end of February and I'm still not back with my shoulder to like Olympic lifting or high volume gymnastics. So it's looking like another season sitting on the sidelines, but that's all good because I have some big training goals and different fitness things that I'm working on, like that align with a return to competition. So more time means a healthier shoulder when I do get back to it. There you go. Right on. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If you have any questions for the pro sports podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.